Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. You know, I've been preaching sermon series for the last 15 or 20 years here at St. Luke's, and I've always loved doing sermon series, but I remember the first time that I announced I was doing a sermon series here because we always used a lectionary. If you wondered where we get our readings typically on a Sunday morning, we use this tool found in the back of the Book of Common Prayer called a lectionary. And I decided to depart from the lectionary and do a sermon series, and the first one I did was on the book of Jonah. And I remember announcing that here at St. Luke's and said, we're going to begin a five-week sermon series on the book of Jonah. And I'll never forget this one long-time member of St. Luke's, still here, <laughs> came up to me and, and said, after, after I made the announcement, he said, how in the world are you going to preach five weeks on the book of Jonah? It's a pretty basic story, and there's not much to say. Well, at the end of it, he came up to me and he said, you know, that was actually pretty good. And since that time, for those of you that have been around any length of time, you know five weeks on a whole book of the Bible is not a big deal for me, right? <laughs> when I take six weeks to get through Psalm 23, you know I can extend something a long time. And we are going to focus on today's reading from the book of Jonah, but we're also going to allude to the reading from Matthew. And they are related. They are related insofar as in both stories, you have this idea of the wind and the waves going on. Now, we didn't read that this morning because Jonah chapter 2 continues the story that begins in Jonah 1 that talks about the wind and the waves coming. And for those of you that may not be familiar with the story, that Jonah was this prophet. He was called to be a prophet, and the Lord called him to go to this enemy city, the, the, the capital city called Nineveh, and the people there were so wicked. And Jonah decided he was going to flee and go in the other direction, and he boarded a boat to get away from the Lord. Now, some of you probably grew up with this story. That would be me. I grew up with the story of Jonah. I loved the story of Jonah. The first paper that I wrote in college when I changed my major from chemical engineering to religious studies and philosophy was on the book of Jonah. So I've always loved the book of jo Jonah and the story behind it. This amazing story of this man who was trying to flee God's presence, which as a child I always wondered about. And then eventually would end up in the mouth of this large fish or this great fish. And by the way, the Bible never says whale. Okay, just so you're clear on that. It's a large fish or a great fish. We don't know what kind. We just know it's this big fish. And Jonah ends up there. And the reason Jonah ends up in the mouth of the fish is because of his disobedience. He was a prophet. He knew when the word of the Lord came to him that he should follow it. But because 
these people were such an anathema to him, he couldn't stand the Ninevites and the Assyrians. They would eventually conquer his home country, Israel. That he wanted to go in the other direction. And so it was, in fact, disobedience. He turned away from the Lord. Even though he couldn't flee his presence and subconsciously probably knew that, he just wanted to run away as far as he could. So he's running away from the Lord. And it was disobedience that led him there. Peter, on the other hand, which is another great story, Peter walking on the water. I always thought, you know, even as a kid when I read that story, boy, would that be cool. You know, walking on the water without a surfboard or a paddleboard. You know, just walking. And I've jokingly said that in seminary, one of the first classes we had to pass was walking on the water. But Peter took this step of faith. He actually was responding to what he saw the Lord do and wanted to be with him and wanted to be on the water and see if he could do it and trusted the Lord when he first stepped out. But the wind and the waves got to him. His eyes were diverted from the Lord and it was the fear that caused him to no longer trust the Lord. And he began to sink. But then the Lord caught a hold of his hand. And the Lord provided what he could not do for himself. And he renewed his trust in the Lord. And this is not the only time that Peter would do this, by the way. Peter would be the one that down the road, Monday, Thursday, the night before Jesus died at the Last Supper, when the Lord said, all of you are going to desert me, Peter said, I will never desert you. And then about 12 hours later, plus or minus, Peter not only deserted him, he denied him. Jesus said, you'll deny me three times. And Peter said, I'll never do that, I'll die first. And he denied the Lord. So Peter had this way about him of swearing allegiance Seeking to be faithful. Taking steps of faith. And then because of fear. Or because of lack of trust. Would pull back on his commitment. But in both cases. It was in this story. Matthew 14 and Jonah 2. It was the wind and the waves. That caused them. To get to where they got. Now. What might represent wind and waves to you? Think about it just for a second. A health concern? A health concern with someone you love, or maybe someone you love is actually dying. Maybe it's financial challenges. Maybe it's a broken marriage, a broken relationship, a broken family. Maybe it's because you're hurt. Maybe it's because you're angry. But there are wind and waves around us all the time. Just look at our world and what's going on in the world. Even though the stock market is doing great, we hear financial instability and people react with fear. 
There's wars and rumors of wars and instability, at least in the Middle East, if not in other parts. Russia, Ukraine. There's always wind and waves around us that could divert our eyes from focusing on the Lord. There's always temptations or something that the Lord asks us to do or tells us is part of his word and what his will is. And we divert our lives away from him. See, wind and waves come in many forms. And what is wind and waves for you? In Peter's case, it was simply grabbing a hold of the Lord's hand. In Jonah's case, it was a little more complicated. What we see the end result in both is that they would respond to the Lord. But Jonah, Jonah's an interesting story. Because even though he cries out for deliverance and the Lord delivers him. We're jumping forward now just a little bit. And the Lord delivers him. From what was certainly going to be death. And the Lord reissues the call and he goes into this city and he preaches. And not only does he preach, he's given success. He's not a happy camper. Even when he goes into the city and does what the Lord tells him to do, if you look at what he does, he never even refers to the Lord. My guess is he went and did the job half-heartedly. And the Lord still gave him success in his ministry. What does he cry out? The Lord says, tell the people that I'm going to destroy their city unless they repent. Jonah goes into the city and says, 40 days and Nineveh is going to be destroyed. That's it. Because that's what he really wants. He really doesn't want them to repent. He doesn't really want to tell them about the Lord. He wants them to be destroyed. So that's what he says. He was still a reluctant prophet, even though the Lord rescued him. Imagine that. I often wondered, have you ever wondered why the people listened to this prophet from Israel? Do you ever wonder that? Why would they even listen? Obviously, the Lord prepared their hearts. And all he was asking Jonah to do was bring the message. But I remember writing this paper like nearly 40 years ago when I was in college about Jonah. And some of you who are actually here, who were here 15, 20 years ago when I preached the sermon series on Jonah will remember this. That Jonah's name has a meaning. Does anyone remember what, what his name means? Come on, no one? Oh, yeah, you were here earlier. <laughs> Jonah's name means dove. Dove. And I don't think it's because of the Holy Spirit. His name means dove, and one commentator I read had a theory. 
And he actually cited an incident that happened in the late 1800s. And here's the incident. And if there's any doctors out there, and I know there's at least one, um, you can tell me later whether this is just absolute foolishness or not. But this guy heard about a fisherman who was out with his buddies. They were whale hunting. This was actually a whale story. They were whale hunting, and one was thrown overboard and was swallowed by the whale, and they eventually killed the whale, and they rescued their friend. And because of the acid of the digestive tract, this person's skin was white. His pigmentation was bleached out, if you will. And I almost wonder, if Jonah shows up in Nineveh, and he is totally white, and he says, Nineveh's going to be destroyed in 40 days, and everybody looks at him and goes, Whoa! If that's why, you know, and, and I wouldn't be surprised that the Lord would do what the Lord needs to do to get the message out. Because he's always trying. He's always trying to reach people. He's always trying to reach even wicked people like the Ninevites. He's always trying to reach us. He was trying to reach a prophet who was in rebellion. He was trying to reach the first and foremost of the apostles when we think about the apostles. Because he's always trying to reach us. And that's really what both of these stories are about. About people coming to a faith or a renewed faith. Or an understanding of what the Lord can do in our lives. And when we come to this prayer, which is exactly what Jonah chapter 2 is. When we come to this prayer, the first thing that we see is Jonah remembers the Lord. And he calls upon Him. That's the first thing we see. Jonah's trying to flee the Lord. He's trying to forget about the Lord. He doesn't want to do deal with the Lord at all because of what the Lord's call on his life is. And then he decides, I need to remember the Lord. And he calls on it. How easy it is to forget the Lord. Sometimes something happens that it's immediate. Sometimes it's a subtle, gradual, where we forget the Lord. And we drift from Him. Peter. Peter was someone who walked with the Lord constantly. And all it took was his eyes diverting momentarily. And he forgot. All it took was the Lord getting arrested and being taken from his presence and being threatened by those around him, and he forgot. It's amazing how we can slowly forget about the Lord, the decisions that we make with our lives, the decisions that we make with our time. See, because we all have opportunities in our lives where we can focus on the Lord and then Forget about the Lord. 
Monday, Thursday. Peter was in that upper room and heard that tremendous teaching that Jesus gave, John 13 through 17. Talking about the Holy Spirit, talking about the truth, talking about his love for them, praying for them. And less than 12 hours later, he's denying him. Because he forgot. And he forgot about his commitment. We forget. We forget because we'd rather sleep in on Sunday mornings. We forget because we'd rather go and do or go attend a sporting match. We forget because there's things to do with children and family. We forget because we want to sleep in and just enjoy our day. And that's just Sunday mornings. What about every morning? Do we forget because the first thing we do is turn on the television and the news or get the newspaper and read the newspaper and we forget to spend time with the Lord? Maybe because we're in a hurry, we didn't get up early enough and we got to get out the door. We forget. It is so easy to forget. To forget that this is a relationship, a trust relationship, a commitment, a love relationship that the Lord wants to have with us. And sometimes the forgetting is subtle and it's gradual and we forget slowly over time and we just fall away. And sometimes the forgetfulness is deliberate because we want to do what we want to do when we want to do it and we want to walk away from the Lord because we don't want to respond to His call on our lives, especially the way He's calling us to do it. And we forget. And the Lord invites us to remember. Remember who I am. Remember my call on your life. Remember my love for you. What I've done for you and what I will do for you. Remember the cross, the extent of my love for you. And so when Jonah comes to that memory... He considers his options, but only momentary. Because he says this line, I'm not going to turn to idols. If you read the book of Jonah, what you see in chapter 1, when Jonah's in this storm and he's on this boat with other men, that they all turn to, quote-unquote, their gods. Jonah doesn't. When he goes to Nineveh, he has the opportunity, if he chooses, to just fit in with the Ninevites and worship the god of the Ninevites, and he says, no. He says, I've considered my other options, and I don't want to worship other idols. You know, King Saul, the predecessor of King David in the Old Testament, when he ran into problems and wanted to know what was coming, he ran to the witch at Endor. And he even went in disguise because he knew it was against God's law. And he thought he could hide. 
You know, I remember as a kid, people being intrigued with Ouija boards, seances. Those of you that are about my age are smiling. I see some of you. And now what is it? Horoscopes, tarot cards, other religions. Hey, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe in God. It doesn't matter, really. Or even the idols of this world. The idols of this world, which are pleasure and happiness and the good life and doing your own thing and doing what you want when you want and not necessarily paying attention to God's word or his call on your life. Not necessarily being in worship or spending time with him in prayer. Spending time in his word, growing in the knowledge and love of him. Nah, because there's too much in the world to do, too many good things. So what becomes an idol? The good life. Pleasure. The offerings of the world, the entrapments. And ultimately, myself. That I become the God of my own life because after all, it's all about me. Right? The God of this century and this culture, me. That's the idol that's out there. And Jonah says, I don't want to turn to idols. I realize that the idols are fruitless. And what they promise might bring me short-term reward, but in the long term, that's not what I want, and that's not what I need. And so he repents, he remembers, and he calls on the Lord. And what happens? He's delivered. He's delivered. It's a miraculous thing. Just like Peter, he grabbed a hold of the Lord's hand and he was delivered. And what happens then? We're told three things. First of all, he was thankful. Secondly, he sacrificed. Thirdly, he made vows. Let me draw a couple of analogies for you. The first analogy is dating, right? When we are dating someone that we are totally enamored with, I mean, they're beautiful or they're handsome, they make us feel wonderful, right? We are so thankful that this person is even paying attention to us. And here they are, they're ours. And then we swear, I'll do anything for you, right? And we buy cards or we buy flowers or whatever. I'll do it. There's the sacrifice. And then we make vows. Boom. We end up at the altar, right? Then what happens? Then what happens? Does it continue? Or is there compromise? Is there, I got the prize, and now, hey, good, I can be me again, right? Or think about when you have children. For those of you that have children, you are so thankful that the Lord's blessed you with this baby. And you make sacrifices for this child. And you tell them you will always be there and you will provide. There's the vows. Same idea. Do we do that in our relationship with the Lord? And does it stick? Or is it momentary? Is it convenience? 
Because that's what he's looking for, that long-term commitment. Because that's the commitment he has towards us. He made you. He sacrificed for you. And he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. But we have the decision. That's really what it's about. We have the decision. Where is your commitment? Because he promises to deliver you. The cross and the resurrection is the guarantee of that deliverance. The cross and the resurrection is the sacrifice. The demonstration of his commitment to you. That he gave his life. And the question is, how do you respond to that? Now let's go back to Peter for a moment. Peter, when he came to that realization after Jesus was arrested, and he denied him and the cock crowed, he wept. He wept. And he repented. And the Lord gave him an opportunity to repent and be renewed in that relationship at the end of John's Gospel, chapter 21, says, Do you love me? And Peter says, You know I love you, Lord. He gave him the opportunity to come back and renew this love relationship. What about Jonah? What about Jonah? Jonah's an interesting case. He really is. He's a combination, if you really read the book of Jonah and understand the book of Jonah, he's really a combination of the prodigal son and the elder son. For those of you that don't know the prodigal son story, read it. But he's like the prodigal son in this way. He says, I want to walk away from the Lord. I want to go to a foreign country. I want to get out of here. And then he's called back and he's delivered. But he's like the elder son in that he's standing outside of Nineveh at the end, John, uh, Jonah chapter 4, and he's saying, judge him, Lord, get him, Lord, I want him gotten. Right? I want to see your judgment come to this people. He's like the elder son. And yet, the first person the Lord delivers in the book of Jonah is not the Ninevites. The first person the Lord delivers in the book of Jonah is Jonah. And he's trying to point out to Jonah, Jonah, you're the prodigal. This story is not just about the Ninevites and their repentance. This is about you. And you know what I believe? The whole reason we have the book of Jonah is he eventually got it. That's why I think we have the book of Jonah. And much like the story of the prodigal son... The door was open for the prodigal to return and the door was open for the elder son to come in and we don't ever know whether the elder son comes in. Just like the book of Jonah ends with a question. Not a definitive, a question. The door is open. The Lord is always trying to leave the door open for you. Whether you've been there and you've compromised on your commitment, you've forgotten the Lord, He wants you to return. 
Whether you're one who has never been there, he wants you there. And he always comes with a question. Like he does to Peter. Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Because he wants you there. Because he loves you. It doesn't matter whether you're the prodigal. It doesn't matter whether you're the self-righteous elder son. It doesn't matter whether you're fleeing the Lord or you've taken your eye off him momentarily. He wants you there. And he's reaching out his hand. And he's saying to you, do you love me? Trust me. Please bow with me in prayer. Lord God, our world is full of idols. And probably the most difficult one we face is the idol of our own selves, our own desires, our own selfishness, or our own perceived needs that we worship, that we serve. And Lord, you're standing amidst the wind and the waves, and you're offering us your hand. Lord, we are surrounded by wind and waves, by temptations to disobey, by threats to our lives that cause us fear, by our lack of trust. Lord, I pray this day for those who maybe have never fully given their lives to you, that they would reach out their hand today. For those who have compromised, that they would remember and return. And Lord, for all of us to know your deliverance that you offer, your strength, peace, your love that you offer to us right now and every day. And all we need to do is reach out our hand and call upon your name. Lord, help us to see you reaching down even now from the cross, the depth of your love, your sacrifice. that we would respond and never let go. And I pray this in your precious name, Jesus Christ. Amen.